Take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 30. Verse 34 through 36. And I, I can't explain it why this verse has really spoken to my heart. It just has to. Verse 34, Exodus 30. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices, Sacdae, Hanukkah, Galbanum, these sweet spices with pure frankincense, of each that shall be like weight. And thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of apothecaries, tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small, and put it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation. For I will meet with thee, it shall be unto you most holy. I find it interesting, verse 34 says, The Lord said unto Moses, can't imagine what that would have been like. Now today, God still speaks to us, but not like He did Moses. He speaks to us through His Word. He may speak to us through the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but to speak face to face with God must have been awful awesome, amazing experience. And the Lord said unto Moses. We looked at the materials of the incense several weeks ago. These sweet spices. We also looked how they were mixed in verses 34 to 36. But tonight I want to focus again on the last part of verse 36 where God told Moses put of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation where I will meet with you. I think you know by now in your walk with God there's nothing more special than meeting together with God. And God made a a promise to Moses you put it there before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, please note the tabernacle of the congregation there. And God said to Moses, I will meet with you, and it will be to you most holy. We were looking at the personal aspect of worship several weeks ago. We're to be holy, and we're to come humbly before God. We're to be pure. And then last week, we looked at the perpetual aspect of worship. And I, I want to say tonight, we are gathered here tonight and any time we come together and in a, in a corporate setting of worship, and those are so important. But I think we need to live our lives every day in an attitude of worship. Every day. And I think it's important that we be ready to worship at a moment's notice. You're going to find... 
as you walk with God, there'll be times that it'll just hit you. And you just, you just kind of bow your heart and you'll worship God. We'll talk more about that in a moment. And he told Moses in verse 36, put it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation and I will meet you there. It'll be most holy. And the Bible is very clear that we ought to worship him corporately. We spent a lot of time last week on this. We'll just kind of highlight what we talked about last week. Corporate worship is the proper response of a gathered church to the person of the triune God, to his past, to his present, and to his future works. And especially as it pertains to the reigning and redemption of our great God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at some things last week, some key elements that are included in corporate worship, public prayers, uh, vocal singing, instrumental music, uh, public testimonies, financial contributions. There you go. How many know that giving your money is part of worship, and it ought to be, and that when you give, you ought to worship that way? Also, the public scripture reading, uh, expositional preaching. I hope I'm doing that. Observing ordinances. And, of course, we ought to find words of spiritual encouragement. Hebrews 10.25 is a command. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. I am thankful that we have a place together. And I realize the church is not this building, it's people. But coming together with God's people to worship is a very special part of our lives. Worshiping God in a corporate setting. So why is it important? We, we kind of highlight that. First of all, the Bible is clear. Jesus died for the church. How many know that? I'm very glad for that. He died for the church. The Bible is also clear the church is the body of Christ. And the third thing is, why it's important, is to participate in corporate worship is essential to our individual spiritual health. We are here for each other, and we need each other, and corporate worship is a valuable thing in our lives. So why should we attend church? Number one, it's a mandate. Again, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So, again, it's a biblical command. We are to gather together. Second of all, the variety of blessings that we get. It promotes fellowship. It promotes encouragement. It helps prevent backsliding, and it helps prevent apostasy. But also, we attend church because of the public statement it makes. I want the world to know that I stand with Christ. I want them to know that He is my Savior, He's my God, and He's my Lord. And to say we love Christ and neglect the body, we're being hypocrites. And we come together to make a statement that, yes, we do stand for Christ. But the fourth reason we... we gather together, is to show support for the work of God in the world. It says to the world, I am for Jesus. I'm not against Him. He is my Savior. But it also gives us benefit that we cannot obtain individually. When we attend corporate worship, we hear public preaching of the Word of God. And by the way, you cannot substitute a media ministry for being in person to worship. I spent some time with Brother Mike, and like I said, either Thursday or Friday afternoon. 
And he said, Brother Rollin, I want so bad to be able to come to church Sunday. He said, you know, I, I watched it online. He said, but it's not the same. Watching it, you know, and, and again, I thank God we can do that today. But he said, it's just not the same as being there in person. So pray for Brother Mike. He really wants to be able to come back to church. So just pray that God will grant that uh, that desire for him. And, 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 and the problem is, there's something special about the closeness of public worship. Now, again, I want to mention this morning, thank you so much for your response to Vivian and Bulo as taking members. And uh, so many of you were excited. You even hugged them. And you know, shook, all shook their hand, whatever. But that's something you don't get by yourself. You, you don't get that closeness, uh, that expression of love and care for one another. You can't get that by yourself. And that's why it's so important to be there in public. Because I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. But also, we were enabled to partake of the Lord's Supper. Uh, we are able to be a part of the public proclamation of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, worship is an experience of God's beauty. And folks, any time we worship, our desire ought to be to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. That's what worship is really all about. And of course, the eighth thing of uh, coming together in public worship in a corporate way, it reminds us, you know what? We are not alone. There's others in this battle. There are others beside ourselves walking with God. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 22, verse 22, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise Glory to God. And then the ninth thing about public worship, it fixes our perspective. In Sunday school, the verse that we read in Matthew 13, Jesus quoted from one of the Psalms of Asaph. I think it was Psalm 78 this morning. But Asaph in Psalm 73 he admitted early on, he said, I've almost lost my footing. He said, my feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. He also, in Psalm 73, questioned whether serving God was worth it. Is it really worth it? Because from his perspective at that time in his life, he was seeing nothing but trouble all the day long. And Asaph said in Psalm 73, Every morning brought me And he said, I was trying to understand it, but I couldn't. He said, understanding what was going on in my life, it was a difficult task. And in verse 17, he says this, Until, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood that. Friends, we get things in corporate worship we can't get by ourselves. There's no substitute for that. And if all we do during the week is spend time with television, social media, the daily news, 
you won't find much to rejoice about there. In corporate worship, our perspective is realigned. We remember, no matter how bad the news is, God is still in control. We remember, no matter how big the threats of terrorism are, God is still in control, and in worship we joyfully remember this world is not our home. We're just passing after a week of feeling like we're the only Christian where we work or the only Christian in school, the only Christian in our circle of friends, we realize we're not alone. We have others as well. When even our relatives criticize us, we come together to worship we can hear God's sweet words of grace to us as God speaks to our hearts. After a week of doubt and confusion over the future, in worship we can refocus on the God who controls our life. Friend, there's nothing like corporate worship. Psalm 27. And now shall mine hand be, head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore, I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifice with joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. How many know that corporate worship is a gift from God? It is a gift from God. And through the gift of corporate worship, God enables us to sacrifice with shouts of joy. He enables us to sing and make music to Him. And we do it together as we gather corporately. We talked about that in a lot of detail last, but tonight I want to focus on we're also to worship Him privately. John 4, 23-24 But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I think the Bible is clear, whether it's corporately or privately, when we worship the Lord Jesus Christ, we worship God, we must do it in spirit and truth. The woman here at the well trying to divert from the issue wanted to begin a debate about where they should worship. Some say, she said, we ought to do it in Jerusalem. Some say we need to do it here in Samaria. And Jesus said, well, you're wrong about Samaria. Okay. He didn't cut her any slack. But he said, you have to understand something. The hour's coming, but it's also right now. If you're going to worship me, it's got to be whether it's publicly or whether it's privately. So why do I need private worship? Number one, I need direction for the journey. Oh, how I need that. Exodus 33, verse 7. The Bible says that Moses took the tabernacle 
and he pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without Most of the time, when we read about the tabernacle in the Old Testament, it's called the tabernacle of meeting. And it's not just a play on words, it's exactly what it means. And when you read about the tabernacle of meeting, it's referring to the tabernacle within the sanctuary. The tabernacle within the camp. But here in Exodus 33, verse 7, we are introduced to another tent. One the Bible calls the tabernacle of the congregation. And this was a tent that Moses set up outside the camp. Now think about that. And he called it a tent of meeting. And this tent was not the place where they brought their offerings. It was not the tent where they brought their sacrifices. It is where Moses received direct words from God. Think about that. And the Lord said unto Moses. And I think it's important for us to understand tonight. It was in that tent, the one outside of the camp, That God had unique encounters and unique dialogues with Moses face to face. Private times between God and Moses. And I have to wonder how many times did that happen? When Moses would get away from the crowds, from the people tabernacle where they did their offerings and go outside that tent. And I can imagine him saying, God, I need to talk to you. I need to hear from you. You know that God gave Moses a great responsibility to lead the people from Egypt to the promised land. And unless I miss my guess, Moses had no idea what he was getting into. How difficult the journey would be. A trip that should have taken probably 11 days took 40 years. 
during those 40 years, over and over again, Moses met regular with God to gain direction for the journey. I can imagine Moses asking, Lord, what do I do now? How do I handle this? And I realized that Moses needed direction for the journey, and so do we. That's why we go to God all the time. But the second thing I think is important. We need distance from the distractions. Now, by the way, I have found that Satan will do anything he can to interrupt your private time with God. The phone will ring. <laughs> now, I got to tell you, if we are at home, Pam is home with me, if I'm dying and you call, I'm going to die. So she's going to answer that phone. Now, most of the time I do. Um, and, I, and, and I know that most people, if they're in an emergency, need to call my cell phone. That's quite all right. But there's times that are turning things off. Say, Lord, I, get, I want to get away from distraction. Verse 37, or verse 7, chapter 33. And Moses took his tent, pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. So he takes his tent and he sets it up quite a distance from the camp as a place where he goes to meet with God. And that's why it refers to the tent of the meeting. And so, it was located far enough away from the camp that Moses could connect with God without distraction. He needed to distance himself. And folks, you and I, private worship is important because we need distance from the world's distractions. And that's true physically and metaphorically. We need distance. So we need direction for the journey. We need distance from distractions. But also, we need information to make decisions with. Exodus 33, verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again unto the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Now, by the way, I believe that God spoke to Moses audibly. In fact, the Bible says that Moses spoke to God face to face. What a privilege. And I think the implication here is that Moses was listening to God's voice and making decisions based on what God told him. My friend, we need God's information. Moses was making informed decisions about how to live, how to lead, according to the information he received from his consistent meeting times with God. And my friend, that 40-year journey 
Moses needed those signs of God. And so do we. The fourth reason is we need to communicate with God if we're going to have a relationship. Verse 11, chapter 33 of Exodus. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. So Moses was referred to by God as a friend of God. And that friendship grew because Moses was dedicated to his time alone with God. Now, by the way, folks, you don't do what Moses did unless you spend time with God. Now, think about this. Without Moses spending time with God, he'd have threw in the towel long ago. Very, very important. But every relationship requires communication. And communication takes time. And when I think about my relationship with God, and even though it's unlike my other relationship in a lot of ways, it still follows the rules of other relationships. And the Bible gives us comparisons to help us understand our relation with God. One example, the Bible in the New Testament tells us that Jesus Christ is depicted as a bridegroom. And the church says, the Bible says the church, we are his bride. So we have Christ the bridegroom and church the bride. And we know from Genesis chapter 2 that marriage is to joining their lives as one. And that type of intimacy involves time spent alone with one another. And if we are going to develop, if you will, a relationship with God, if it's going to grow, we've got to spend time alone with God. Just you and God. Time alone. Another example that the Bible gives is the relationship of that of a father and a child. And close parental relationships are those in which the children and parents have a special alone time together. And whenever we have an opportunity to spend that special alone time with a loved one, it provides us an opportunity to truly know that person. And I want to say tonight, spending time alone with God is no different. Gives us time to know Him better. When we're alone with God, we draw, clo- we draw closer to Him, and we get to know Him in a different way than even we do in a corporate worship. It's important that we worship God and here's what's interesting. And this is what amazes me. God desires to spend time with us alone. He really wants that to happen. He wants a personal relationship with us. 
He desires that relationship with us. In fact, God desires it so much, He created us as individuals. In Psalm 139, we find out that we were knitted in, God knitted us in the womb. He made us personally. He also knows every detail of our lives. And He knows us better than we know ourselves. In fact, He knows us so well, Jesus says He knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows us intimately. The Bible also says He knows the sparrows individually. God says to me and to you, we are worth more than many sparrows. He knows who we are. He desires to bring us in. But not only that, He invites us to come to Him and know Him. Revelation 22, verse 17. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. I didn't put this verse in our notes, but I want to remind us of what God told Isaiah in chapter 1, verse 18. God said, Come and let us reason together. That's a personal time with God. That's a private time of worship. And whenever we come to a time in our lives where we desire to know God intimately, we will seek Him early in time with Him. Psalm 53, verse 1. O God, Thou art my God. Can you say that tonight? You are my God. It's a personal God. Psalmist goes on in verse one of chapter six of Psalm fifty-three. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. I don't know what I ate at lunch today, but it made me thirsty. And uh, whenever we're thirsty, we want what? Something to drink. But I'm going to tell you, folks, when we live in this world, if we want to know Christ and we do know Him, we'll have a thirst that physical water cannot satisfy. A thirst that only God can satisfy. And the only way to find that satisfaction, to be satisfied from that thirst, is privately worshiping our God and our Savior. When we know Him intimately, we will be like Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to His voice. Luke ten thirty nine. She had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard His word. Jesus had told Martha she was a little concerned that Martha was baking bread, breaking bread and frying chicken, baking gravy. Mary was just sitting in Jesus' feet. 
Martha couldn't take it anymore. She said, Lord, don't you care about that? Jesus to Martha said, you are coming by a lot of things. But Mary has chosen the best thing. So sometimes I think we get caught up in things that we think are urgent. But my friend, nothing is more urgent than spending time alone with God. Jesus in Matthew 5 promised that if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, he said we will be filled. We will be filled. And I think one of the, one of the, another good reason, or maybe one of the best reasons, for you and I to spend time with God, alone with God, is to follow biblical examples. In the Old Testament, we find God calling the prophets to come alone to Him, to spend time with Him. Moses met with God alone at the burning bush, and then later on at Mount Sinai, and also at the tent outside the camp. David, who wrote many psalms, he reflects on his confident familiarity with God. And he communed with him even when he was running from Saul. Time with God is so important. When Elijah became discouraged, he stood there in that cave all by himself. The Bible says the presence of God passed by. And God spoke to him in a still, small private worship is so important. In the New Testament, we find many examples where Jesus spent time alone with God. Matthew 14, Mark 1, Mark 6, Mark 14, Luke 4, Luke 5, Luke 6, Luke 9, John 6. Jesus spent time alone with God. And I've often thought, Lord, if you have spent time alone, if you needed that, guess what? I need it more. I need it more. In fact, Jesus actually instructs us to pray to God privately. Matthew 6, 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee. John 15, we read that Jesus is our vine. And we are, if we are to rely upon Him, our vine, we need to be directly, intimately connected to Him. And that's what private worship is all about. And just as a branch is linked directly to the vine, through the vine, connect with other branches, so we are linked directly to Christ, and therefore we share a community. And I'm glad for the community of God, aren't you? We spend time alone with God, and we also spend time in corporate worship, and we do that if we're going to get the best nourishment. 
in the spring of the year, and I'm sure it's true around here, but we, I grew up in Illinois, but even today, one of the delights is for those who live uh, out in the country, uh, or those who live in rural areas or even in small towns, is to go out in the spring and hunt, hunt mushrooms. And the prize of mushrooms is the morel. And uh, you talk about secrecy. I mean, they'd rather you pull all, the, all their teeth out, and they won't tell you where they find their mushrooms. And normally they go back every year uh, to that place uh, alone, or maybe with someone, a close friend, and that secret is kept. And uh, if you've never had a morel mushroom, I think the last time I bought them at Jungle Gems four or five years ago, they're only $55 a pound. I bought them twice at one time. My first time and my last time. And, and the only reason I bought them then was my dad for his birthday. He, he, he loved Morel mushrooms. But I was reading some, something a long time ago, and I'm, I'm assuming it's true for all mushrooms. And... I mean, Pam's mother could really make them taste good. I don't know what she did to them. They used to make morels. But I read that if that's all you ever ate was mushrooms, you would literally starve to death. Because there's absolutely no nutritional value in them at all. Even though they might taste good. And I want you to know tonight, folks, if we don't worship God privately and corporately, we're missing out on the best nourishment. It's valuable for our lives and our walk with God. And without time alone with God, we will find that our needs are not met, and we'll never discover the abundant life that He offers us. And my friend, it is an abundant life. It is a great life. But also, spending time with God alone it rids our minds of distractions so we can focus on Him and hear His Word. And abiding in Him, we enjoy an intimacy to which He calls us to come to truly know Him in a different way than we do in corporate worship. Now again, we need both. We need corporate worship. We're doing that here tonight. And we also need private worship. So my question tonight is how is your private worship? Do you have a tent of meeting like Moses did? Do you go there to listen for God's voice? We have to remember, folks, we are on a journey. We're not home yet. And we need God to guide us. And He wants to, but we need to let Him guide us. And that's why it's so important to meet with Him every day and submit ourselves to His leadership and say, Lord, here I am. What do you say to me today? Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we praise you tonight for who you are.
God, thank you for the fact that you desire for us to come to you. And Lord, when we meet with you, whether it's corporately or privately, when we come with an attitude of gratitude, coming to gaze on the beauty of our God, you never leave us disappointed. Father, I pray you'll draw us near to your heart. Give us grace. Give us direction for the journey. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people say.